Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We've been doing this super, super men series, and uh, I need to raise the hands of, uh, of all the super men that I have out here today. Okay, so all y'all sound pretty excited, and uh, I need some participation because we are all brothers now. We're all supermen together. And I know that when I've been sitting out here in the audience for the last four weeks, seeing somebody walk into this, hearing the cool sound and everything, I got a little jealous. And I know some of you guys got to be feeling that. Anybody feeling that at all? It's empowering. So what I want, because we are brothers, because we get to do this together, we're not walking in this Superman stuff alone. We're, we're here to have each other's backs. When I walk into here and give it one of these little Superman things, I need all you guys who are Superman to do that with me. So you got to stand up and do it. You can stand up now. Just wait for me to get in there. <laughs> hey, I like that. Okay? Is everybody cool with that? We're, we're united. There's unity in this. Okay. In five. Four. Don't hurt nobody. Three, two, one. Okay. I'm not going to lie to any of you. I feel really good inside right now. Like, you guys all stood up and that happened? I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. There's a lot of joy. A lot of joy in me right now. Has everybody been really uh, enjoying this series? It's been a fantastic series. Um, you feel like it's had an impact on your life so far? Absolutely. Women, you seen any changes in the men around you? Husbands, brothers, friends? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to work on it. Uh, we, started, we started in week one with the absence, of super, uh, the absence of supermen. But you know what? Since we've been going through this, we've been gaining. Our numbers have been rising, and we're going to have more and more after this weekend and, and so on because we're going to do a few things to keep each other accountable. Uh, the second week, Superman knows where his power comes from. Not this little booth, but what it, but what it resembles, your prayer closet. How many of you guys have been hitting the prayer closet yeah. daily? Sometimes it's hard. Get there. The third one, Superman, fights for his home. Fantastic message. Brandon, you did great. Give him a hand. And then Superman knows how to treat the ladies. That was Pastor Ben, if you're watching. It was good. Proud of you. Um, before I get started on what I'm going to talk about, we're going to take a look at the screens for the top ten list. I think the top ten list has uh, been pretty fun. I don't know how excited I was about mine. I got, got a couple lame ones. Um, <laughs> ten things real men do not do. Watch soap operas. That is very true. Those things are ridiculous. <laughs> they get paid well, and I don't want to knock anybody's work, but they're pretty dumb. I mean, lots of people die, then come back, and die. that's not, they're not Jesus. That don't happen. <laughs> Next one. Make bodily sounds in public. That is disgusting. Real men do not do that. But if you're single, you're at home in the privacy of your own home, go to town. <laughs> if you're married, talk to the wives first because they'll have an issue. Next one. Wear ponytails. 
Anybody out here ever rocked a ponytail? Arturo? Am I, miss Am I missing somebody? Arturo, you're not alone. I grew up in a super tiny town in the state of Washington where nobody really lives, so you can't get embarrassed. Like it's, and my mom, I don't know, there's not a lot of older people here. Mom, you're not old. I hope you're watching. Um, she loved the show Highlander. Anybody ever seen that? Guy, super long ponytail, and my mom was like, I just think it's cool, so I'll bribe you if you grow your hair out and pull it back in a ponytail every once in a while. I didn't like money. Well, I mean, I do. I do now. But I was more of a candy kid. It shows. I got a little ring around here. It was tough to say no, but, but that's how things happened. So I'd wear a ponytail for some jelly bellies. I'd probably do it again if somebody offered it up. The uh, next one. Curse in public. We don't even need to talk about it. It's terrible. There's kids around. They don't need to hear it. Ask what's for dinner. Real men don't ask what's for dinner. They cook it. <laughs> this is the Chuck Norris one of the bunch. Real men don't expect things to miraculously happen. They make things happen. That's really good. It's really good. Next one. <clears throat> Leave their toenail clippings scattered about the floor since they could become weapons of mass destruction. Um, I know there's got to be a wife who has a husband who does that. It's, it's terrible. It's even worse when you step on your own because then you start to dislike yourself and it, it's bad. Next one, please. Participate in life-threatening behavior unless they have significant life insurance. Do it. Get it. It's like 10 cents a day or something like that. Anybody in here? Uh, what is, give me a name. Uh, insurance policy place. State Farm? Anybody do that? There you go. Talk to him. It's Thomas. Next one. You don't break up with a partner via text. We are real men. We are supermen. Superman doesn't even use a phone. You fly to her. You talk to her. Don't be a coward. And our very last one. Don't need a list to tell them they're a real man. You don't need it. There's probably other people around you who are going to tell you. But we get to be together and we get to, we get to be real men together. It's very exciting. Um, so today I'm very blessed to bring you a message about compassion. Superman knows how to show uh, compassion. The passage we're going to focus on today is Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 16. As you guys flip in your Bibles, I have a couple things to say. I love my pastor. My pastor is fantastic. He's a great man. And when I got the email about getting the opportunity to preach and, and seeing that Brandon got to do Superman fights for his home, I'm like, man, I'm getting pigeonholed because I'm this big teddy bear person. I love to hug people. I love, I, I love romantic comedies. I was weeping up there like it was terrible, but I got some fight. You know, I'll throw stuff. You know, I can do that. And then, then, then Ben comes up here and does Superman knows how to treat the ladies. Guys, I got a fantastic wife. She is from Columbia and she is beautiful. I can treat a woman well. 
but I get compassion. And you know, I honestly wasn't hurt or anything. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. I was very excited to do it. And I thought that I knew a lot about compassion. I thought that I'd been showing a lot of compassion uh, to people my entire life, especially to my wife. Wow, lies. I, I wasn't. Um, it's very unfortunate, but it's going to change because I love you. And God, God has given me that to do that. So um, I realized that I can't only be a fighter. I can't only be a person who knows how to treat the ladies. But I can be a, a man who operates and shows compassion. Men, Superman, compassion is not a weakness. Don't look at it that way. Don't let anybody tell you that's what it is. Compassion is a strength. There were, th- there, are th- there were, they still have things that uh, exist today. There were three male philosophers over the last century who have contributed to the decline of our culture now. Freud, Nietzsche, Darwin. These three men all had two things in common. Anybody want to guess what they are? Even if you tried, I couldn't hear you. Give me one. Had a boy. If that's atheism, I'm going with it. Okay, so it wasn't school, it wasn't social status, it wasn't where they were economically in life. All three were atheists, and all three had absent fathers or abusive fathers, not supermen. These men were very influential in the life of two other men Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler. What they had in common, they as well were atheists and had absentee fathers and abusive fathers. Stalin so much so that when his father died, he and his mother went out and paraded around the street and were very excited, jumping for joy. Those guys were responsible for over 56 million deaths. 56 million. My numbers are probably even way off. It's probably way higher than that. But what I want to say is, truly believe this, that if they would have had, I truly believe this, that if they would have had fathers who could show compassion like our Heavenly Father has shown us, these things wouldn't have happened. Their lives, their lives would have been a lot different. There's still garbage that exists from them today in our world. I believe that would have been a lot different. So if you are a father and you don't know about compassion, please take something home from this today because it's going to be very good for you. The very reason we need supermen here is to show compassion. Uh, I think during prayer, Trinika was talking about raising up an army. Supermen, that's what we're here to do. If we're parents, if one day we're going to be parents, we need to raise up an army of compassionate people. The only way they're going to be that is if they see us do it, if they feel us do it. We need to be that example. We get to show compassion because we've received it from the highest place. All right. Hopefully you're in your Bibles. I went on. That was, took me too long. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 16, it says, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, 
And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up, touched the casket. In your Bibles, it might say beer, B-I-E-R. I just couldn't not think. It's horrible. I couldn't think of beer without. So it's casket. Okay? Casket or coffin is what I'm going to call it. Then he came up and touched the casket, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful time today. We thank you for the opportunity uh, that we get to talk about the compassion uh, that you've had for us. Lord, we're so blessed, and I, I pray that in this opportunity that you've given me, Lord God, to, uh, to pour out what you have spoke to me, what you've put on my heart, Lord God, that, that today there will be lives that, that are affected by this in a positive way for the kingdom, Lord God. Uh, the work you've done in me through this uh, just shows that it's, it's possible, and I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for everybody who's here, Lord God. In your mighty name we pray, amen. We're going to get a quick defa. Quick definition of compassion real quick. It's sympathetic, pity, concern for suffering or misfortune of others. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate. Two parts. There's a concern for suffering. You felt it. You feel what they have felt right now in that moment. And then there's an action. There's an action to go and alleviate the pain that they're going through. Compassion is not shown with selfish motives. What is your first reaction when a problem comes to you? Men, supermen, this is for you. Women, you can probably take some of this in, but right now, I need them to hear this. What is, what is your first reaction when a problem comes to you if it's family, wife, brother, sister? Do you try to fix it? Give me a raise of hands if you try to fix things all the time. Yeah. It's not the right thing to do usually. With my family, with, I, with my marriage, my wife can attest to it. I go straight to fixing. And I had to think about that. I had to think, why do, why do I go straight to fixing? Every time I do it, larger problems arise. She gets super annoyed. I then get super annoyed, want to run out of the house because I don't know how to fix what's happening. It's, it's not fun. What my wife is looking for is not a problem solver, is not a fixer. My wife is looking for her husband to give her compassion. She wants somebody to identify with her, to listen to her, to hear what she is saying. And then you know what? Once that happens, then we can go to step two where we get to alleviate the pain. If, if it even gets there, because sometimes it's taken care of through the first step. When you identify with that pain, when you identify with those things that are going on, as God does with us, we can get through that. Then I got to think about my motives of when I go and I try to fix things. To be honest, it took me a while to get to this point because as I told you before, I really thought that I was a compassionate, loving man. And I just wanted to fix it because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to have to listen anymore. Like I felt like I was a good listener. I felt like I could, I could talk to her. I could hear her problems, but... But every time I would try to dig in and fix it, it would elongate those conversations. It would make them worse. So even though I knew I, uh, that was going to happen, I would try 
to fix something that was unfixable because it's not what she wanted. It's not what she needed. It's not what I was supposed to do. I was just trying to end it. I was trying to get it done. Um, <laughs> this really scares me because I have a daughter. And most of you know, I'm going to have another child. And um, <clears throat> thank you for the applause. It was tough. Um, and uh, I, think, I think about that one day, maybe when I have a child who comes home to me and they say, uh, hey, Dad, I, I feel like I'm getting bullied at school and I don't really know, I don't know how to deal with it. Can you, can you help me out? How am I going to respond to that? Because I'll tell you what, with every ounce in my body, I want to be like, who's this kid? Who's his parents? <laughs> who's the teacher whose class it's happening? Because I'm going to go talk to them too. Who's the principal? I'm going to go have a chat with him. But my kid just probably looked at me and said, Dad, I need to know how to deal with this. I'm selfish. I want to go in and fix the problem. My, my child does not want me to go beat up a little boy or a little girl. <laughs> he doesn't want me to get in, they don't want me to get in a fist fight with anybody. They want me to be there with them. They want me to show compassion to them in their pain. They want to be able to associate with me, and I should be able to do that for them and with them. And you know what? Once that happens, then we can come up with a plan. We can execute that without anything stupid happening. Um, the, the real cool thing about Jesus is his motives were never selfish. When he showed compassion to people, it was for the good of them. And as we read in Luke chapter 7, he says he was journeying to Nain with a crowd of people. Well, he was with a crowd of people, his disciples, some followers, because they were in Capernaum, the, uh, not the day before, but some time before. It could have been the day before, because it was a one-day journey. So they were in Capernaum the day before. And they had, well, Jesus had healed the servant of, uh, what is it? of a centurion. He healed the centurion's servant. So they're all excited, and I'm sure they were set out to go somewhere else because Jesus was not called to go to Nain where the widow and her son were. It was a one-day journey, sometime that he was going to have to take out of his life. He wasn't called to go there, but there was something inside of him, because it's Jesus, that directed him to go there. So he went there, and what did he have there? He had a divine appointment with this woman and her son. Here's what's very clear to me, Superman, in this church. Compassion, it's not convenient. There is no convenience for when compassion needs to be happening. You need to be prepared. So whatever you have to do, if you have to go into your prayer closet more often, prepare yourself. Because these conversations don't only happen with people in your family, but the very important ones do. They really do. You're going to have them with bosses. You're going to have them with coworkers. Because you know what? The only way those people are going to come to Christ is because we talk to them, because we reach out to them, because that's what we've been called to do. So you need to prepare yourself. Compassion brings hope. Jesus could have strolled into that town with all his people following him, cheering, having a great time, and gone up and healed that widow's son. Could have done that. But you know what? He didn't. 
the first thing that he does when he sees that widow is he goes over to her. Now, there were like two procession lines is how I envision it. There's two crowds. So he probably didn't sit down and put his arm around her. But I'm sure that when he got close to her, he touched her and he said, don't weep. Don't weep. What he's saying right there is it's going to be okay. He is showing her compassion. He sees that widow, and instead of going in, fixing the problem, running right up there, raising her kid from the dead, he goes over to her. He says, don't weep. It's going to be okay. There's hope. He offers her hope instead of just going and fixing the problem. He's identifying with her, with the pain, with the suffering, bringing compassion, offering hope. Romans 5.5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Men, we need to look in the mirror and look at ourselves. God has, hope has no shame. The Holy Spirit working through our hearts has given us this. We get to bring hope. We are deliverers of hope. We have to use that. We're compassionate men. And if we're not right now, we need to be because we need to bring that to people. I asked myself a question. I said, what is God, what is God working in me? For me, right now, he is teaching me compassion in my marriage. He's going to teach me compassion in parenting. I can tell you that already. My kid is amazing. She is fantastic. She is beyond strong-willed. I have no idea <laughs> what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have another one. If that second one is a baby girl that is crazy just like that. Honestly, I, my life is going to be difficult, but I will love every minute of it. Um, so that's where I need compassion. You guys need to identify those areas of your life. Married, single, identify where you need to have compassion, who you have to have it for. And when I say that I need to have it for my wife, that I will eventually be able to offer my wife hope through compassion, not offering a quick fix that I can't even fix because I don't even know what the real problem is because I am just not bright enough to understand it. We got to be there for them. We got to help them out in that. We don't get to just dive in and fix. So what do we do instead of fixing? It's going to be tough. But what we do instead of fixing, we offer ourselves. Instead of jumping right in, we need to stop. And we just need to listen. We need to hear what's going on. We need to hear their feelings, their hearts, what is going on inside of them right now. Men, if we could just get this part right, if we could identify with the pain, if we could identify with the suffering of the people who are around us each and every day, our testimony is going to be that much greater. Think about those people around you who don't get somebody to speak in their life. Those people who are hurting, who are having things said to them, done to them, where they're being affected. But you have an opportunity to do something. You have an opportunity to show compassion, to bring that to them. Once again, going back to be prepared, be prepared. Have you ever had somebody come to you and crush your dreams? I know that's happened to some people out there. Somebody ever come to you and spoken over you that, like one of your dreams is to get married, to have a husband one day, to have a wife one day. But somebody close to you comes and says, man, nobody's going to want to marry you. You're mean. You're unhappy. You're angry. They're going to say things about you. And they're going to speak that over you. They're going to crush your dreams because one day you want to be a parent. 
They crush that dream too. They step on all your dreams. They just don't like you probably. But, <laughs> but, but we need to think. We need to think about where this widow is at in life right now. She is a widow. Her dream is crushed. She has one son. That son is dead. No more offspring for her. No more children for her. No grandchildren. Her dreams are dead because I can tell you what, there are moms in here whose moms or grandmas, that is the coolest thing, and one day they really want to be that. So I can tell you one of her dreams was crushed. She had nothing else. But this man who came strolling through the city and saw her and said, don't weep. Just in those words, he's telling her it's going to be okay. There's hope. There's hope in this pain. There is hope in these things that you're going through. Colossians 3, 11, 13 says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Men, men of God, supermen, he has given that to us. He has given us compassionate hearts, not just for us, so we can speak hope, so we can go out to others, speak hope into their lives. If we're not doing that right now, we're doing a disservice to what God has put in us. We need to look ourselves in the mirror sometimes. What am I doing with God, what God has blessed me with? But Christ is all and in all. He is in us. He has given these things in us. We have Christ in us. He is calling us to do that, to be compassionate, to reach out, to touch people. Compassion will bring healing. The first thing that Jesus did is he went and he spoke to the widow and he brought hope. He identified with her. And then he goes and he touches the casket. Verse 14, it says, Then he came up and touched the casket, and the bearers stood still. Men, we can bring compassion Healing because we have experienced it. We've experienced it when Christ went up on the cross and shed his blood for us, covering us all. He's, given, he's opened that door for us to go and bring healing, to touch people, to lay your hands on people. When you identify with them, when you love them, he has that for us. So before we try to fix it, before we try to dive in there and fix things and, and maybe screw them up just a little bit more, we need to see the pain we need to understand the pain. We need to identify with what they're going through. And we need to get in there. And we need to touch the dead places in their lives. Because there are dead places in their lives. But we get to bring hope. We get to bring healing. Through our touch, through our words. Speak into that. Give them life. That is what he has given us abundantly. And I'm feeling, uh, going through this, I started to feel... I just some words for, for moms right now. Um, I know that there are some moms out there who have sons and daughters who have walked away, who know God, but have walked away from God. And I know that it's difficult. I know there's a lot of tears. I know there's a lot of crying. I know there's a lot of weeping that's going on for their children because they don't see the hope, because they don't see the healing right now. But I will tell you this. There is hope. In what Christ has done for us, there is hope. 
He is the great I am. He is the Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer. He is your health. Your kids are going to be okay. There is hope. There is healing over them right now. You need to know that, that when you're weeping at night, when you're crying, you don't have to mourn anymore at night. There's going to be joy in the morning because your kids are going to walk back. I hope that was for somebody today. If it wasn't, I hope somebody watching feels that today. Compassion is going to bring faith. Jesus gave hope to the widow, healing, healing by touching the casket. And then he brings faith. He brings faith in such a fun way, such a godly way, that you could only, you could only imagine. Because he looks at the, he looks at the guy who's, whose casket he just touched, and he says, I say to you, arise. I say to you, arise. Who talks like that? Honestly, I don't look at you and say, I say to you, pick up the pen. No, I'm going to say, hey, pick up the pen, pick up the garbage. But there's a reason he says that. Because that I, that's a very big capital I. We need to understand this. That I says, I am the son of God. I am the bread of life. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am the living God. You, I say, arise. There is so much power in that, that boy, that man, who rose from the dead right there, off that casket, sat up. He sat up and he had an experience right there. He was experiencing the living word of God right there in front of him. The very living word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He was hearing that right there. I say to you, arise. That boy was experiencing that right now. So men, what we get to do when we go out and we talk to people and we bring compassion, what we get to say is arise because we're bringing flesh. Ah, mm, light. Flesh. We're bringing them the living word of God. We bring them the Bible. We bring them the living word of God. We are saying arise. Get out of the garbage that you're in. Get that crap off of you. You don't need to be in that pain any longer. You don't have to be dealing with that trauma any longer. That stuff that is in your life that you need out, that pierces your heart every day that you think about, that you can't get off the back of your mind, you get to get rid of that. Choose to get rid of that. It doesn't have to hold you down any longer. Arise from that garbage. Pick up the word. Enjoy life. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you any longer. Don't worry about the stuff that you're stepping in because it's going to be fine. It's not that bad. His blood is shed. It's covering you. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Jesus, he didn't grab that boy and pick him up. That boy lifted himself up. He sat up. There's something that we need to see right there is that with divine sovereignty, there's human responsibility. Jesus brings us that faith. But we have to choose to get up and get out of that garbage that we are stepping in. We have to make that choice. Once again, men, don't miss that. You get to make huge changes in your life. But you have to make a choice. 
How do you want to lead your family? What kind of example do you want to be to your kids? You don't want to carry that garbage around when they're watching you, when they're seeing you. The need that we have, the need is that we need supermen who can speak life into death. We need husbands who realize that they can change their marriage. Your marriage, it doesn't have to be how it is right now if you're struggling. It doesn't have to be that way. You get to go and show compassion to them. You get to make that choice to spend time with God. Learning about compassion, learning how to work with your wife, how to make those decisions. You get to change the outlook of your marriage. If you have kids, my Lord, what you get to speak over them, what you get to do for them, think about that. They're not going to have to go through those things that you started out with in your marriage. They're not going to have to start out with the garbage because you know what? They've been shown an example that they're learning from. And that example comes from the Bible through you because God gave you that strength. Because he allowed you to be that example. So we need to take the opportunity to do that. Single men, I love each and every one of you. I was one of you once. There's all types of things that you get to be compassionate about. People in your life who you can be compassionate about. Your family, your friends. I know there's a huge thing right now in our world. There's unhealthy relationships between single men and single women. I truly believe that that we wouldn't have near as many of them if we had enough single men who were treating those daughters like they were the daughters of the king. Because you know if you mess with the daughter of the king, you're going to get hurt. And trust me, it will come back to you. Maybe not physically, but when you get married, I can tell you from experience. There's going to be a lot of garbage you're going to have to dig through. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's not going to be fun to deal with. So you better pray about your relationships. You better have compassion for those women around you. I said it before earlier when I opened. Compassion is about strength. It's not about weakness. It's about strength. We look to Jesus. His life was about compassion. Becca. His life was about compassion. Consumed by compassion. So much so that at the age of 33, he died on the cross for us. That's where his compassion came from. Because he loved us so much. Imperfect people. He loved us so much that he showed that compassion for us by going up on the cross. He died so we could live. On a smaller scale, but a really cool scale. And we get to do that too. There's a lot of people we get to to speak life into. He died for his church. Superman, today, we get to be consumed by so much compassion. We need to be consumed by so much compassion that we are willing to die. We're willing to die for those around us. Because pretty much everybody's a brother and sister. You don't have to be blood. God created us all equally. I know it's tough. 
It's tough sometimes, but we need to show that compassion. Don't let your pride get in the way and mess things up. If you guys will bow your heads and close your eyes with me. This is for all the supermen out there right now. We have something for you. You have an opportunity to join a unique group. We have this paper that's going to be up on stage, and it's called the Superman Resolution. This resolution, you get to sign your name, you get to print your name, but that's your word, that's your integrity that you're going to sign away. It's a bold declaration to do this, but I believe that each and every one of us need to do it. This resolution starts out, there's many things to it, but it says, I do solemnly resolve before God to take responsibility, full responsibility for my wife, my children, and myself. That's pretty deep right there. That's hard enough as it is, but there's a few more like it. You guys, you're all going to have that opportunity. So if I could get somebody who could bring these up here to the stage real quick. I need those supermen, those, those men who are feeling change already. You can just put two, two stacks. Those men who are already feeling change in their lives. Those who know that they need to change things in their life, who need to have compassion, but not only compassion, to fight for their home, to know how to treat the ladies, to not be absent any longer. Today is a bold statement of your faith. Yeah, there's people here, but these are your brothers and sisters. We're united together. I invite you to come up and take one of these. If you take one of these, these papers, you sign your name, you print your name to it. This is for all the men out there right now. You can lift your heads. You can come up and grab one of these papers, but this is going to give you accountability. Your brothers in this church are going to hold you accountable. You are signing your life to God, to your family. There will be pens in the back. There will be an opportunity to fill them out today. But you know what? If you don't get to fill them out today, bring it back next week. Sign it, print it. You can give it to Brandon, myself, or the ushers. They'll put them in the bucket. If you finish it today, you can find somebody, one of us, put it in the bucket. But this is a bold declaration. Look at all the brothers around you who want to support you, who are going to be there for you. This is awesome. If you filled it out right here, you can leave it here. But if you guys wouldn't mind filling it out back at your seat, that'd be awesome. We can have the, we can have the prayer team come up. In Luke chapter 7, there was a widow and a son who was dying. And when Jesus came to town, he came in with a crowd of people, a crowd of people who were rejoicing. 
And when they walked into town, there was another crowd of people. There was a crowd of people for that widow and that boy, mourning the loss of him, mourning death, mourning that emptiness inside of him. You guys, I know there's people here today who have joy, who have compassion. Let's exercise that. Let's exercise that with others in our community, around us, at work. But then there's that other crowd who was there for the widow and for the son who were mourning. You guys, we have people in here today who were mourning. They're mourning loss. Maybe they knew God before. They don't know relationship with him right now. They don't know relationship with him right now. And I know there's people, can we bow our heads again? I know there's people right now who don't know God. If this message was for you, if you've been wandering around lost for a while, and if you've never known God, if this is your first encounter with him and you want to give your life to him, you can feel free to raise your hand right now. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.